This is Mortification of Spin from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To learn more about the Alliance, visit AllianceNet.org or call 800-488-1888. After the podcast, listen for details on how you can receive a free resource. Well, it is... um great to be here. I don't know if it's great to be here or not. Carl and I actually are feeling a bit uh, oh, a bit out of place. We're, uh, we're at a quilting bee with Amy. Um, we thought that uh, we would, uh, since we recently made her an honorary man, uh, we thought we'd uh, kind of maybe join her on one of her outings. And here we are surrounded by uh, lots of uh, fabric and thread and needles, and it's all a bit uh, unnerving. Carl? Yeah, I'm feeling very connected to my feminine side. Yeah. I didn't know I'd got one. But yeah. uh, I, um, I, I mean, I'm, the one thing I'm excited about is I'm, I'm working on this uh, new toaster cozy uh, to take home. It's made out of some uh, corduroy and some macaronis that I painted gold. Macaroni. and uh, But I, I think it's going to be fine for me to take home. So yeah. I'm just not sure that I look good in a denim jumper. That's, that's the one <laughs> bit of this that isn't working. Oh, <laughs> you never know. You never know. So, um, And then Amy's just been kind of uh, harassing us with those knitting needles. And, yes, uh, I'm uh, knitting with uh, my nunchuck knitting yeah, needles yeah, here. Exactly. Making so, a nice afghan. Mm-hmm, what do you think mm-hmm. of my cross stitch, Amy? Is it, is it uh, Carl, it leaves the, the message that you're cross stitching is a bit concerning. We might need to bring mm-hmm. that before the, the it's, elders. It's in Latin. <laughs> but I, I, I yeah, I, all, all things considered, I'm more more comfortable in a, in a, in a pub. But, uh, <laughs> well, I just wanted to Give you guys the experience of women's group. Right, right. Because this is all it is, really, when women get together, right? It's yes, just quilting. We just, we just do crafts. Sure. We like the foam, um, yeah. flip-flops, duct tape flip-flops, right. and scrapbooking, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I then like we it. just you know drink some coffee and leave. And that's all we do. Yeah, I figured. I figured that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. It's uh, my friend Trillia Newble. She is a wife and a mom, and she is a writer. She writes for um, the Knoxville News, Desiring God, the Gospel Coalition, sorry, Caris, and the Ethics of Religious Liberty Commission for the Southern Baptist Convention. And she just, her uh, first book has been released, and it's called United, Captured by God's Vision for Diversity. Hi, Trillia. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm laughing at you guys. Are you really quilting? Every, everybody <laughs>, laughs at us. My, my wife is going to be so proud when I give her this for Christmas. She's going to love me forever. <laughs> you're, you're a courageous woman, even for, uh, for sharing a, a, a microphone with Carl and I, Trillia. So we're glad you're here. Rest assured, we are terrified of Amy, though. She, she's the one who really calls she's the shots. Here, so. I'm good quilting with these uh, yeah. nunchucks yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, thanks for having me on. Oh, Absolutely. we're pleased to. And um, can you just open up by telling us what led you to um, want to write this book? I noticed in reading it, it's a, a good book. And you kind of share your own story um, as a black Christian woman in the Reformed Church. Could you share a little bit of that for us? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I, I wrote it most. Okay, I grew up in the South and... I had experienced racism growing up, and um, my father had experienced mm-hmm. extreme racism, mm-hmm. and and even um, being hit and just mocked. And I had been mocked and and told I couldn't go to certain friends' homes, or we, there was a country club we weren't allowed to go into because I was black, and just various different things, different situations that were 
heartbreaking. And um, but my my father just taught me to love love people, and so I always had a desire and heart for the a general diversity, just to love people. But when I became a Christian, God, He just changed my in, entire view. Mm-hmm. It was it was a love, a different kind of love, a love in Christ, and mm-hmm. and so I. Um, so yeah, growing being in a in a church where I was uh, that was predominantly white. At first, I barely could tell. I was just so happy to know Jesus. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was, I was just I'm a Christian, amazing. <laughs> um, and yeah, because I, I became a Christian a little older, so um, I was 22. But but then um, I started to sense differences. And, and as I read the scriptures, it just seems so clear to me that the Bible talks about all nations worshiping together, all nations, tribes, and tongues will be on the last day worshiping together. So it just, it just seemed like there was something that I was missing and, um, or something that maybe we were all missing. And, and so, so for me, I, yeah, I think that's how I, I first got caught this vision was first my father and then just reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. One thing you bring up, which I could identify with, is that you say that talking about race and racial reconciliation can be downright terrifying. Um, You say that no one wants to offend. And in our politically correct society, who would blame you? If you say the wrong thing, ask the wrong question or call someone by the wrong name, Will they be angry? Are you black or African-American, Chinese or Asian, right. <laughs> Hispanic, Latino or Mexican? Right. And I could identify with that because um, you don't want to offend. So even though you might want to know something more about someone's heritage, sometimes you just don't ask and, and you end up avoiding uh, getting to know someone a little bit better. No, you're exactly right. And that is what uh, that, that could be the the unfortunate a result of of being overly protective or fearing man, being afraid of mm-hmm. people, um, is that you don't get to know people. And we are all created by God. We're made in His image, but yet we're unique. We're different, and it is beautiful. and And we have different cultures and ethnicities and designs and backgrounds, and we can learn from each other. And um, so, I, I really am hoping that this conversation. Um, would not only get started, but it would break down these fear barriers that we can just ask questions and and get to know one another. Because ultimately, what what we're really getting to know are our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, truly. I, thanks again for for being with us. And I, I wonder, as you, since you're really um, deliberately and helpfully engaging in this issue, what are you? What right now is is most encouraging to you? as you view the landscape of the church, and I would say maybe uh, given the context of, of this particular podcast and ministry, as, as you look at, at the Reformed Church, where are you encouraged as far as the issue of diversity and the conversation on race? Where do you see it happening um, in a healthy way? Well, guys, I am on your podcast. Hmm. So praise God. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, this this is this is something that I think I've I've been seeing more and more and more people who maybe maybe this isn't your topic maybe yeah. this isn't what you generally address but more and more I am seeing in the reform circles people bringing in um, 
either African-Americans or or just or just breaching the conversation themselves, mm-hmm. just asking questions. And I, I'm seeing that across the board. It is really encouraging and, and a, yeah, a complete and total blessing. So so that is in terms of organizations, mm-hmm. what I'm seeing um, in terms of the church. You've got people like Dr. Ligon Duncan, who I love so mm-hmm. much, who who. who He's on the board of the Reformed African-American Network. Really, the Reformed African-American Network wouldn't be without Ligon Duncan. Mm. It just wouldn't be. So you've got people like Ligon Duncan who leading RTS and then helping a small ministry really get on its feet right. and and get and, and then um, you've got people. Uh, ministries that are popping up and organizing. Um, I cannot at the moment think of the name of the ministry, but there is one that's reformed in Philadelphia that is or started there at least that um, they're trying to build multi-ethnic churches. So they're starting their churches with that mindset. It's awesome. (laughs) You're seeing it. I see it across the board. So I'm very, very encouraged. Right. And as you mentioned earlier, just in, in your study of the Bible, um, you have to address this because as we, as, as a people who, who in one sense are an eschatological people, that is, we, we live with our eyes, uh, focused on the age to come as we see the great wedding feast of the lamb. Um, we cannot escape, uh, this priority of God calling to himself and making into one body, a people made up of all the peoples. And, and therefore we can't escape uh, the necessity of having a foretaste of that even in our fallen world. And not only can we not escape it, it is a delight. Right. <laughs> what right. a joy. You yeah. know, what a joy it is that we can, that the four of us can get on this call as brothers and sisters in Christ and we can talk mm-hmm. about diversity and the beauty of God's creation and, and how he has made us one in Christ because of the blood of the lamb. I mean, it is, we, what a delight that we can get to know each other. It's, it's yeah. a joy. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think I, I agree with you a hundred percent that we should, we should aim to experience it now because we're going to get to experience it forevermore. Right. 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 So. <laughs> Trillia, what do you see as the, the biggest issue affecting the African-American church at the moment? Uh, I'm coming, I'm, I've lived in the States now for over a decade, but coming from Britain, the race issue carves up very differently in Britain to, to the way it does here. There's a very different history that lies behind it. So we have racism in Britain, obviously, but it's, it, it functions somewhat differently. What would you say to a guy like me who's now pastoring in an American context? What, what do I need to be aware of as issues within the, the African-American church so that I can perhaps pastor more sensitively when, when African-Americans come to my church? That is a great question. And I am still I'm still studying about the African-American church. I became a Christian just so you can have the full context at 22. And I joined in pretty pretty much immediately a white church. Hmm. So my when I grew up, I would attend a African-American churches every now and then, but I never plugged in completely. So um, but there are great organizations um, like the Front Porch, the BDN um, mm-hmm. and Anthony Carter, who yep. are addressing the black church. So right. I want to start there that I can't, I really can't speak to and from a perspective that knows everything about the black church. Mm-hmm. But I can say this, that um, 
from what I've studied and read, um, I think just understanding that um, we use words and um, and terms that may not have never never been heard. What is it? What does it mean? What is what does grace even mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just as simple as that, you know. So I think um, just under, understanding that that um, there may be a different teaching that that they haven't experienced, maybe um, potentially depending on uh, where they came from and the doctrine that they had been experienced or exposed to. Um, and then uh, knowing if they actually did come from a black church, then they that's their whole worship experience could be completely different. So I, I think what you could be aware of is just ask questions and ask them how they're doing and just being aware that they're a part of your congregation um, at all, I think is, is, uh, would be a very good thing just to, to know that they are there, but, but their whole experience would be potentially different in terms of worship style, in terms of teaching, in terms of, um, even preaching style, uh, obviously the environment's going to be different. So, but this is what I've told, I've been asked a couple of times about from pastors, okay, well, what do we do? And my first suggestion is, well, preach the gospel (laughs) and just keep that central and the God will take care of the rest. But I mean, not to be, I don't want to be simplistic, but, but really, I think if we start there, then the Lord can open doors, yeah, to a better conversation. That's great. Thanks very much for that. Yeah, truly, you really, um, you're kind of open in your book about your own struggle going into this white church. Um, you say you felt like a different colored snowflake. Yeah. And it was kind of lonely, and you were in prayer and and waiting on God. And yet I was so excited to see part of your explanation um, later on in the book of why you stayed there, and um, you title this section, Doctrine Trumps Comfort. And, um, you know, you have this book called United, and yes, we want to see this picture of us all coming together to worship the Lord, but, you know, we're really united in God's truth. And it's amazing how you uh, leaned on the Holy Spirit in that part, and you know, I look at my own church, and I'm, I'm thinking about my own church while I was reading your book, and, you know, what could we do to, to outreach and have more diversity? And um, the, the diversity that we do have in our church, a lot of it is um, through adoptions or um, from reaching out to the youth in the community where their parents don't come, but they might come. And so sure. I, I see a heart for diversity, but, um, you know, right down the road is an African-American church, and we just can't compete with them when it comes to to attracting um, that whole ethnicity because they walk in our doors and um, the theology is a little different and well we're white sure <laughs> we don't have all the uh, you know I love I would love to be able to sing some of the um, the old spirituals I think that there's such a great theology of the cross really and a lot of old African American spiritual music and um, I do think that there's a lot that uh, could enrich the church in that way, but um, yeah, definitely. I think a lot of times it's a theological <laughs> difference that um, keeps us separated, and that worries me. Yeah, well, I, I think that's we can see that in a gosh, a lot of churches, um, and so yeah, I think you're right. I, that's why I think if we 
are faithful to God's word and we being preachers <laughs> and <laughs> us as us as those who are van- evangelizing I'm called to us share reform the chick lit girls yeah <laughs> girls yeah I'm I'm called to share the gospel with my neighbor with my family so so yeah so I think if we are faithful to God's word and to the gospel he's the one who he he will bring the reform he will bring he transforms hearts mm-hmm. so so um so, so I, I would say that's why. I, okay, sorry, I'm backing up a little bit. That's partly why I, I suggest that we we open our eyes and we reach out to our neighbors because mm-hmm. you're right. You may not, Amy. No way will you compete in terms of um, style or whatever. Mm-hmm. But or but you you have a treasure <laughs> in the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I I would encourage you to walk and you know ask share the gospel because that's what's going to break down the true barrier. I mean, our first barrier. And then from there, um, you never know what the Lord could do. It could cause a revival in that church, assuming that church isn't preaching, um, you know, sound doctrine and gospel message. Um, so yeah, I, I think we, I think you're right. Um, but I, I don't, assume, I don't assume anyone is, um, knows anything. And so I want to assume they don't and mm-hmm. share. <laughs> Well, and I think that um, one helpful theme that kind of weaves through your book is just being hospitable. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it seems like in your own story how you were brought to the church and then the friendships that you shared that you have and how God did answer your prayer. Um, Hospitality seemed to play a huge part of that. It did. Um, So I met with three girls for several years off and on, but for a good solid three years every other Friday and we built the, they're, they're continued to be my best girlfriends. And we built this friendship that was pretty much immovable, immovable. Gosh, I can't talk, but anyway, <laughs> I'll blame it on, I don't know what, anyway. And so it's crafting. So yeah, but anyways, and so we've, we've got this beautiful friendship, but also, um, I went to a small group in someone's house. So I became friends with these people. I love these people. Mm. They were, they were not just, um, I, I wasn't, I didn't just go to church and then go home. I was really, it was, it was part of my life and, um, they were a part of my life. So we were just good friends. That makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And I, so there were, there, yes, I was lonely and there were tra- challenges, but, it could have been so much worse if, if I want to use it, that term, mm-hmm. if I wasn't so loved by mm. them. And if we, if the Lord didn't bring our hearts and knit them together and we were friends and yeah, we were family. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I can, we, we've never met, but I can hear in you probably um, a, a personality that is gregarious enough to also move towards others. And I think sometimes um, white people might be intimidated by, well, how do I move towards my African-American sister or brother? Will I say something stupid? Or And there ends up being an intimidation factor. And it sounds to me like you're the kind of person who, as much as they were moving towards them, you were moving, moving towards you, you were moving towards them, which I'm, I'm sure helped them enormously. Yeah, I, well, I 
Well, yes. So I am an extrovert. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I kind of love people. Yeah, so it, yeah. it does help to have that personality where yeah. you, you're okay with getting in weird situations. Sure. And, but um, that's why I do talk in United about, um, I think if we have a, an understanding of what the Bible says about race, then we can it won't be so weird. We can right. we can talk to each other because we because we're all made in the same in the image of God. We're all created equally. We're all created by God. He knit us in our mother's womb. He created us. He thought of me. It's all his doing because of that. And because we are equal in redemption, we are equal in fallenness. We were, mm -hmm. you know, we, we all we can um, approach each other. And because of the cross and because God, I mean, God created us. So so we are more equal than we are different. Um, we even though we have different circumstances, uh, different cultures. But but even between Todd and you and Carl, you're very different. And very. You know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can see it just in our dress. I have nothing in common with this man. And whatsoever. our crafts are very different that we're making here. Right. Well, I mean, and, and I mean, what you're bringing up, truly, I think is really important, which is on this issue of race, of, of seeking to overcome what divides us that should not divide us what what's necessary is a really strong robust uh, biblical anthropology the doctrine of man yes. um, which teaches us who we really are and therefore puts in perspective the sinfulness of dividing over those things that are sinful to divide over like race ethnicity Absolutely. but but without that without that doctrinal underpinning i don't ha i'm not going to have a strong enough motivation to put down those sinful impulses in my heart. Well, if that's not going to motivate you, maybe love will, because God's God challenges us to love Him first, right. love our neighbor as ourselves. Right. So, if even if we don't have an a a very a, a um, we aren't grounded in this, this theology, mm -hmm. if we're not grounded in some kind of doctrine of man, or uh, we haven't read or studied the scriptures, most mm -hmm. of us know those two commandments. <laughs> right, right. And we can just, if at the minimum, think, okay, well, how can I love my neighbor as yeah. myself? And I'm going to, I'm going to go and talk to them. If they're, in, if they walk in my church, then I want to welcome them and be hospitable. We don't have to have this deep theological understanding of, to, to, to love someone. Yeah. So, so we can go there. And, um, I think that's something that we can all apply. Mm -hmm. One thing that, um, I noticed about Trillia, um, I have had the opportunity to, to meet her and, um, what I think goes along with this hospitality is you're always smiling. And I think that there is something very welcoming and very hospitable just in a smile. <laughs> and, Reading your book, I was just very encouraged. Um, the tone that you have throughout the book is is welcoming and encouraging. So um, that's why I'm I'm really happy to have you on today. And I just wanted to um, kind of wrap things up by saying that if our listeners visit the Mortification of Spin website, that we will be giving away a, cu a couple copies of your book. So I wanted to encourage them to do that. And um, Thank you for being on today with us, Trillia. Thank you. That encourages me. And thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely. It's been a real pleasure, been a real pleasure and pleasure. glad to have this conversation that counts. 
and you've been listening to The Mortification of Spin. On and on and on it goes The world, it just keeps spinning Until I'm dizzy, time to breathe So close my eyes and start again This has been Mortification of Spin a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Mortification of Spin is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Alliance ministries include Reformation21.org and events held from Florida to Sacramento. To learn more about the Alliance, visit AllianceNet.org or call 800-488-1888. We can only continue to bring you Mortification of Spin with your support. To make a donation, please visit mortificationofspin.org or call 800-488-1888. Please listen again, and don't forget your free resource. Behind every face, then look around to all the people you see. How many of them are happy and free? I know it sounds like a dream, but it's the only thing that can get me to sleep at night. I know it's hard to believe, but it's easy to see that something here isn't right. I know the future looks dark, but it's there that the kids of today must carry the light. On and on and on it goes The world, it just keeps spinning Until I'm dizzy, time to breathe So close my eyes and start again anew Well, I just wanted to give you guys the experience of women's group